Welcome back to Fleshing It Out with Samantha Spittle. This month, we are tackling the shame trigger of trauma. And of course, this is something we are just scratching the surface and having some conversations to normalize things that are often unspeakable. And so because this is so serious and can be so heavy, I encourage you to seek out uh, professional resources. You can check our VIP page for coaches and, of course, therapists and other forms of safe support. Today's guest is Corrine Coppola. Corrine and I talk about trauma and ways that we can integrate it. And kind of, you know, we start with kind of going through her story and how unresolved trauma in her life, you know, began to show up in these patterns that were created and multiple ways she sought out healing until she finally discovered internal family systems. And so we talk about that parts therapy, kind of how our minds or our, our, you know, ourselves are made up of these different parts. And so Corrine talks about that. And the biggest thing is integration, how we can integrate all these different parts to live a more fulfilled life. And so join Corrine and I as we flush it out. I'm so excited to jump into this conversation with you today because internal family systems is something that my husband and I came across in our own reading on our own, you know, growth and healing journey and kind of dove deeper. He actually read the book that I'm sure you've read. I don't know it right now, but it's geared towards practitioners. But I think we're both the type that once we get interested in something, we're like, tell me everything. Right. Right. So I'm excited to kind of, you know, help spread the IFS kind of thoughts. But I think before we do that, kind of having a talk about trauma, because I think, and I've talked about it casually on the podcast, but, you know, trauma, it's something, the more I'm reading and the more I'm learning is there's not like a hierarchy of trauma. You know, we think of it like the bad things that happen, but it's really about how our body responds to it. Absolutely. So, um, so, you know, like, once again, I'm not excited to talk about this because it's not um, the most pleasant of topics, but I am excited in the sense of helping people normalize talking about those things and especially expanding our minds to what trauma can be too, that there's not a list of these things qualify as trauma and these things don't. And so I would love for you to introduce yourself, tell us, you know, who you are and um, yeah, we can get into this chat. Thank you. So Samantha, I am so um, excited and pleased to be here. My name is Corrine Coppola and I am an IFS coach, mental work, working in the area of mental health coaching and really focusing on trauma recovery um, <clears throat> because of my own life experience. And I work mainly with women in their 40s and 50s, but also young adults, young adult women. And I do have a few um, male clients as well. Um, I get a great amount of joy from seeing the light bulb go on. You know, people come to me with relationship problems usually, you know, or there's been a transition of some type, whether it's been a divorce or a job transition, maybe a child um, leaving for college or empty nest or, you know, a a death of a mom, death of a parent, you know, major life transitions. And then it's like, oh yeah, I need to talk to somebody. And I'm not somebody that, you know, I want to be your uh, coach for 30 years, you know, work with me for six months and three to six months, and you'll see a lot of changes. Um, so, and I get a lot of joy. So out of talking about trauma, so I am 
excited to be here. Um, a nickname that I used to have for a nonprofit I used to work for was keeping it real Corrine. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to naming the elephant in the room, um, you know, calling people out in a, in a loving way, very loving for sure. Um, but that's my job is to be a mirror, you know, mm-hmm. And I know that because, you know, we've connected off the podcast before, I know that it's because you've also done the work too. And so I think there's a difference between like calling people out and versus seeing someone hurting and wanting to move them. Like you said, it's recovering when I'm learning that all these life, you know, we all, um, we all have stuff. It doesn't matter. You like I said, there's no list. We all have stuff. We all cope with it in different ways. And one thing I heard recently too, is like, coping mechanisms aren't a bad thing. You know, that's, they help us cope. It's if it's not serving you and things like that. And what patterns are we repeating? You know, ways we can look at our life and say, Hmm, there might be something more here. You know, there there's things about the way I'm living my life that might not be serving me. And how can I start to peel back those layers? So. Absolutely. Like I, I, um, I'd like to say in, in some, I'm not, to, I don't want to say dumb it down, but you know, I, I become a cheerleader. Like I yeah. want, I want you to have the best life. I want you to come out of like, cause people often come to me with, I don't know why these bad things keep happening to me. And, you know, I, I just want to break free of it. And, you know, there's such a desire to heal. And um, if I can create that loving space, that loving safe space for them to really like, let the shame come up, mm-hmm. let <clears throat> the unworthiness come up to really the not enoughness, you know, all of that so that they're not acting it out in their relationships. Oh, I take a breath there because I thought, oh man, where do we go? Because I'm imagining, you know, people listening and it's like, that's me. That's me. Corrine, tell me the answers. Okay. Now, like, what do I do now? What do I do? What's the next step? You know? But I know that's not how it works. So, so stick with us. So as you said, you know, you've, you've done the work and I would love to hear kind of your own personal journey, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Um, so people can kind of see a little bit of what that looks like to walk through some of this. Yeah. So it's messy, Sam. It is messy. So buckle up. Um, and I'm happy mm-hmm. for you to ask questions and okay. delve into because I think what happens, like what I say that how I, I feel is I hope I'm living my life like as a ministry of love, mm-hmm. you know, that um, I'm making the invisible visible, the, the mm. unspeakable speakable, right? So about, um, so I grew up in a family, Italian, Long Island, um, and there was a lot of as you can imagine, you know, there, there's a reason for stereotypes, a mm-hmm. lot of aggressive behavior, abusive behavior, emotional, physical. Um, and I just thought it was normal because, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up, the family was like that. I had good friends who were Italian, same thing. You know, people yelled, we're expressive, like Italians are just expressive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I realized, I also realized as I was growing up that things were a little too aggressive, you know, um, I don't, I'm not going to go too much into it, but when I was in high school, I did have, um, a bruise that was, you know, I had to lie about at school and then I knew like something was wrong. So Mm -hmm. that 
was the last time that anything physical happened, you know, when I was a junior in high school, which is a long time. Um, That being said, also in high school, I started to get into drugs and alcohol. Um, I think I was in eighth grade when I had my my first drink and then, you know, became an alcoholic, Um, not consciously. There was alcoholism in my family. When I say not consciously, I felt awesome and we go to college and we party and, you know, I was partying along with everybody else blacking out, you know, um, and I didn't really think I had a problem <clears throat> until, you know, a couple of my girlfriends said something to me after we graduated and I just like brushed them off. But then I was about 24, 25 and I met the man that I was married to for over 20 years And he sat me down and he said, if you don't stop drinking, I'm not going to marry you. Mm. So that I stopped drinking and I went to some AA meetings. I didn't find a home um, in AA, which was a shame because I feel strongly that 12 step programs are really, really helpful. And since that time, I have been involved in a few different codependents, anonymous Al-Anon which have been tremendously impactful to me in my life and my recovery. So um, I've been sober for over 29 years. So that's one part of my story is my addiction, but my addiction also came out in rage. So, you know, um, my children were young. I have three children who now unbelievably are 24, 21 and 19. But when the oldest was five, I remember this clearly. Um, She's waiting at the door for her dad for um, a to get the daddy daughter invitation to him for preschool, you know, and he is standing right outside the the screen door on the phone. And I'm like, (sighs) because that's one of my buttons is. Mm -hmm ignoring right like mm. that I don't exist yeah and so from my childhood yep and um I opened the door took the phone out of his hand and threw the phone didn't hurt anybody didn't hit anybody mm-hmm. but threw the yeah. phone and we couldn't find it for a day <laughs> like it was like it had ricocheted out I laugh about yeah. it now but that's what yeah. got me into a 12-step program I was like mm. okay this is not normal yeah. I need help this is not the way that it should go So um, time goes on. And in 2007, 2007, um, in May of 2007, I had memories of sexual abuse Mm. and it turned my life upside down. Um, And, you know, I thought I was going crazy. This is before the Me Too movement. And um, there really wasn't a lot of education and Grace step in, stepped in and I, I found the Women's Center in Vienna, Virginia and um, got therapy there and was part of a group of survivors. But a key ingredient in my healing was going on a nature-based weekend for sexual assault survivors. Mm-hmm. And that changed my life. You know, a few months later, that was May 2007. I had the memories that weekend was September Um, 2007. And that's really what began my healing journey. I had been doing yoga and meditation for about a year, year and a half before that. And I think that a lot of the somatic 
um, practices that I was doing, because mindfulness actually is a somatic body-based practice, you know, helped that along with perimenopause and hormonal changes help to activate the memories, which often happen. Um, then the, uh, how do you say that um, I had invited my parents to a therapy session to um, talk about it, to say, let's get healing as a family. And um, the response was, I don't remember. I don't recollect. And my therapist said that the hair on the back of her neck stood up. So <clears throat> unfortunately, there wasn't the healing that I had because I had said, you know, this had to happen. This isn't the first time this happened. I thought that it also happened in the family, like something like I really just wanted healing. And um, unfortunately, there was not reception at the time, you know, um, when I there would be if. I would go to therapy without there being an admittance that it happened, which, you know, I mean, so, you know, you work like, uh, how do you say, like, I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. Like, you know, that whole reality check thing. Oh yeah. Um, so anyway, I had to distance myself from my family, which was extraordinarily hard. Um, my parents were very involved in my children's lives. They lived long distance, but they visited at least once a month. So it was really really difficult um, for the for the family to to go through that. I thought I was having a nervous breakdown. Um, so I tried a little a lot of a little of everything, a lot of different modalities. I did sweat lodges, I did yoga, you know, <clears throat> um, and um, I went to shaman, I went to different therapy, like group therapy, weekend therapy everything um, that you can think of. And I think that it's all brought me to where I am today. And when I found internal family systems a few years ago, I've done EMDR, I've done a ton of things. Um, and I just felt that after the first weekend of the training, I did a year long training after the first weekend, I was like, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And um, it just like came together The the trainers in the <clears throat> um, John O'Donohue is a favorite poet of mine. And they read one of his poems to open the, the training session. It was just like one of those, like, yes, yes, so meant to yes. Be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was one of those. Um, and it's something, you know, I've had, I have a bunch of friends who are therapists and they've always encouraged me to go back to school. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to spend a hundred thousand dollars and get a loan. And I have a master's in organization development. I coach people. I have so much training and facilitation. And with IFS, you can do the work. You're doing the work outside, you know, of the client, mm -hmm. but you're also get, um, it's, it's self-led. It's mm -hmm. really self-led. And it's, Every time I work with somebody, it blows me away. And I've heard, I heard Dick Schwartz, who is the founder of IFS, say in a recent podcast that IFS is a way to change the past. And that mm. was really powerful to me. There's so much, 
so much. Thank you. First is thank you. That's a, it's a good too much, by the way. Um, so first, thank you for sharing because you said something from the very beginning is that you want to make the unspeakable speakable mm-hmm. and you, I didn't want to interrupt you, but you said multiple things that because you're at where you are with your healing journey, you're mm-hmm. able to just kind of talk through them. And each one is, um, a big deal. You know, it sounds so juvenile, but I think, you know, when we hear other people's stories, even if it's not the same story, there's just these little pieces that weave through, um, you know, the idea of the Italian family and, you know, we talk, we curse. I mean, I lived a long time in Jersey, you know, it's like a lot, you know, but just because something's normal doesn't mean it's right. And I think that that is, that was the first thing you said where I thought, Oh, like, it's kind of like the hair sticking up on the back of your neck. You might not know what, but when you hear someone say something like, I thought it was normal. Mm -hmm. So just wanting to kind of touch on that. And then of course you talked about addiction and rage and, and then having this memory of sexual abuse. And I think it just, it shows how we carry so much stuff and it might come out in different ways from people. And, you know, it could have the origins from the abuse, um, but like I said, that's why with trauma, there's, there's so many different things that can be, um, and then re-traumatizing as well right. because of, with your family. I mean, there's just so much right. there. And, um, and so just thank you. Those were just things I was thinking about as you were talking. So, well, I want to just add, if I may, like the re-traumatization. Mm. So one of the things that I was blind to, I'm yeah. putting my fingers quotes. up in quotes for <laughs> yeah. those of you that, I mean, we don't know if this is going to be video or not, <laughs> um, that I was blind to was the man that I married, um, did a lot of hiding. Mm. So there were a lot of secrets in my family. So oftentimes like mm. we marry somebody or we partner with somebody with the unconscious intention of healing our childhood wounds. It's called Imago, right? And we- Say that again. Through, you got to right? repeat that because that's, there's multiple things you've said where I'm like, Kareen, I got to, you need to say that. That's my, that's my like Oprah line in the podcast a lot in season one. Say that again. Okay, so <laughs> say that again, because that is something that once again, in the worlds we live in with coaching and therapy, it's so normal. <laughs> and my goal is like, all right, listen up listeners. This is big. Let's say that again. So unconsciously, what we do is that we search for and partner with people with the like unconscious intention of healing our childhood wounds. But what happens is that they continue to re-traumatize us Mm -hmm. because we haven't, we're looking to them to heal our wounds instead of healing them ourselves. So of course I married a man with some secrets and I'm not going to say it's his fault either because he had stuff that happened to him in childhood. Right. So it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen this graphic. I'm sure you have on in social media where the two um, metal people are like knee to knee and there's these little kids inside of them that's exactly what happens. Yes. Is that, I just we, shared have, that. Oh. we have we have these wounds. And it's just like these poor little kids. They don't they don't know better. You know, I was 26 when I got married. 
you know, and, um, and we thought, and, and I thought he was the love of my life and he thought I was the love of his life, you know, and for 10 years, it was really like that. And then things started. And I would say, you know, even before that, before 10 years of marriage, you know, there were, there were issues, there were issues almost from the beginning. If I look back Mm. and if he was honest, you know, um, actually, the priest before we got married had said to, to me, he looked me dead in the face. He goes, I don't think you should marry him. Seriously. And I, we thought he was a young priest. We thought a seminarian. And we were like, is he making a pass at her? Like we, yeah. we were like, why is he saying that? So, but he was right because wow. he said, he doesn't treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, where, um, you know, if I was honest or if I had like higher self-worth and again, I don't fault, you know, I was very much in love. He was very much in love. We were very much in love. And um, for a long time, you know, we really tried our best. And then I'm trying to remember, um, I think it was 2009. um, It came out that he wasn't faithful. Um, we separated for, um, we didn't separate immediately. We waited a while. We tried to work it out. Um, and then Sam, there was like, a, one of those minor things, like, like, I just want to tell your audience this, like, I've yeah. gotten a lot of questions over the years. Like, how did you know? How did you know? And you will know in whatever moment it is in that moment, you will know what to do. Like, I came home from vacation. He had said that he had put the mail on hold. The mail wasn't put on hold. And in that moment, I was like, okay, if he's not telling the truth about putting mail on hold, I can't imagine what else is going on. So I'm like, thank you for sharing that. I've just been watching a lot of Netflix shows, (laughs) the Tinder swindler, the vegan, bad vegan. The reason I say that is because you just said, if he's lying about this, now I'm not wanting our audience to freak out, you know, however, my life experience has also shown, I used to get very upset over little things like, and I, and I thought, oh, I'm just being dramatic though, that I am this person who says, if you're lying, like if they can kind of lie or not tell you about this, who knows, but that's just me because I watch too much Netflix. That's just me. No life experience has shown me that that is, that is in our intuition. It is in truth. And the reason I brought up the Netflix stuff is I'm just watching, you know, these women, there's so many red flags, but we are just so quick to, and not even sweep it under. We don't mean to sweep it under the rug, but just validate or, you know, put ourselves, we don't know what we're talking about. And so thank you. Thank you for bringing that up because that is not talked about enough. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, you're welcome. And, you know, I'm not trying to pair him in a bad light because no. he, yeah. what, what happens or what happened, I believe with him is like, he doesn't want people to hurt. So mm-hmm. it's just better not to say anything, you know, 100%. Um, and that was, I think a, that's, culture, that was yeah. a culture that he was raised in, you know, yeah. Um, a conflict avoidant. I think you hit correct. the nail on the head. It's not yes. wanting to villainize it. And I think that's why I said, it's like not wanting to make everyone you worry about every little thing, but it's that if there's little things happening, that is a 
signal that there's conflict avoidance. Right. And so it's like, yes, let's start working through this before it gets to something really big. And and what I will say that IFS, like if I had known then what I know now, right. Mm -hmm. Like I was taking everything personally. Like, how can you do this to me? How can you do this to the kids? Blah, 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 blah. Where it had (sighs) nothing, absolutely nothing to do with me. But because I had gone through betrayal in my early years, my three, four, five-year-old was acting out, you know, Mm. in a way that couldn't help but take it like that. Now, fast forward, we did a lot of counseling. Um, We did a class, you know, anyway, we got back together Mm-hmm. And then um, we worked hard. And then in 2014, uh, 2000, late 2013, he lost his job. Mm-hmm. And then early 2014, things started to fall apart between us. And we split again and for the final time um, in June of 2014. And it took us two and a half years to divorce, you know, and there again, like, my rage was coming up and, you know, Mm. all that lovely part of myself um, that I, that now I can have a lot of tenderness for, right. And compassion, because now I've learned the tools, right. Mm. But it, what I want to do is like, it doesn't take somebody 15 years, you know, to get to this point, it will take, you know, it'll take a few years, like at least, you know, like I, there was so much, like, I just want to forgive. If I can get to forgiveness, then like, that's the Holy grail. I just want to forgive. And, you know, I'm not sure that that's always the answer for people, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, for me, it's been helpful, really helpful. I don't know if I've gotten to a hundred percent forgiveness. I've gotten more compassion and understanding, but, um, and I've gotten more, um, educated around languaging things out Mm -hmm. loud. So instead of taking things personally, what I will say now to someone is the story I'm telling myself is. Yes. I love that. So, Mm -hmm. and I really would like to check it out with you Mm -hmm. because I'm not sure what's going on in your head, but that's what I'm, so that alone would have diffused so much, but it's hard to be able to diffuse if you haven't done what you just said, like your work, Exactly. if you haven't taken care of that little girl. And what I've learned, um, not, you know, from reading and life experience now is that to be able to work through a lot of this, you have to feel safe. So if you're in a relationship where you are not safe, you know, emotionally, you know, any of the things physically, emotionally, all of that, then that's a lot to bring up. Um, so kind of needing to be in that space. You said something before. So, you know, we've kind of walked through kind of the journey, trying the things. And my goal today too, was to also kind of introduce this internal family systems to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'd love for you to kind of break down what that is, but before you do that, you said something Uh, when you were talking through your experience, you talked about trying different somatic experiencing like EMDR. Mm -hmm. And so can you just kind of define those things real quick for listeners? Um, Sure. Kind of, these are, I feel like they're not buzzwords, but they're words that I start I've now used because of my life, but I'd love to have your. Sure. So you can even, 
because I'm not sure off the top of my head. Sure. EMDR, I know, is like has to do with the eyes and oh, yeah. um, visualization. Do you, do you know that? Yeah. yeah, it's um eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Thank you. Yes. So reprocessing for me was the most important part of that. Mm. Plus, I am a huge visualization person. So when I was in my sessions, I was able to really use the power of visualization. And it's sort of like been this mosaic in my life. Um, so I've done like yoga for trauma, yoga for addiction, um, mindfulness, <clears throat> trauma-sensitive mindfulness, um, year-long meditation training through inward-bound mindfulness education, you know, like all these different things, yoga nidra, um, how, what else? Like anything under the sun, if you ask yes. me, I probably have done it, You've except done it. I have not done the somatic experiencing. That's like you said, it's the reprocessing and it's just ways. What I wanted to bring up about the somatic experiencing, the EMDR, all the, you said it with all the yoga and everything mm-hmm. is all these ways. I think that when we hear therapy, we think of talk therapy as that's what you do. You, and then we think, oh, well, we either don't have, um, what do I have to work through in my childhood? My childhood was great. And like I said, if there's not that, you know, this is the top 10 lists of trauma. If you, if you're not on that, you know, one, if you do have things there, it makes total sense that you don't want to unpack them. And then number two is if it's not on the list, it's like, well, there's nothing there. And I think with a lot, what I'm seeing with everything from yoga, you know, cause reading the book, the body keeps the score, mm-hmm. um, all these different therapies is that our body, it's all in our body. So there's so many different ways to work through it. And so, you know, we won't take too much time on that because we want to get into IFS, but I just, you mentioned it and I wanted to make sure people knew that that's part of my goal too, with the VIPs and just the guests and whatnot is to kind of show people that working through our stuff doesn't look like the way it did in the eighties and the nineties on the therapy couch, you know? Um, right. No, no, no. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, I think that there is absolutely a place for talk therapy. I would not mm-hmm. be here. Without oh, I love talk yeah. However, the body, like our issues are in our tissues. The body is the key to the freedom. Everything is about noticing. Mm-hmm. Like mindfulness is the awareness, mm-hmm. right? Of what is going on around you and inside of you. And then having compassion and kindness towards it. So it's like Viktor Frankl talks about mindfulness as the space between stimulus and response. Mm-hmm. And in that space is your freedom. Mm-hmm. And he's a Holocaust survivor. So the more space we take, the more freedom we have. So and true. we think we cannot take space. And it is a lie mm-hmm. because the more space we take, it's like, oh, now I can do the next right thing. Yes. And this or the next best thing. Like I tell my clients a lot, just do the next best thing. Like when you're in overwhelm, yeah. do you need to get up from the couch? Do you need to go outside? Do you need to take a deep, like simple, simple, simple. And I'm telling you the big changes are in changing the little things in the simple habits. So because it's, we think yeah. we have to do big, like what, mm-hmm. right? Like go big or go home. 
No. And we've been told like, we can't rest. Yeah. But if we can't rest, yeah, we can't be. Yep. And I think, like you said, it's not these big things. It's the little things it's being reminded of these little things. And so, um, it's kind of, you hear different, the same things in different ways. And it just, Mm -hmm. you know, remind, at least for me, you know, it's like, Oh, taking the pause, you know, the power of the pause. I remember that was a a podcast episode from season two and the power of, and it's that moment, you know, between the stimulus and the reaction. Mm -hmm. So huge. And it's hard. Like one of the things I'm just going to quote one of my teachers, her name is Tracy Stanley. She's fabulous. Um, She does a lot of like rest and relaxation, but rest is our birthright. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. if we actually thought about rest as our birthright, I think we'd live a lot differently. Yeah. But speaking of stimulus and whatnot, I know like it's not exactly where IFS comes in, but with this internal family systems, Mm. I would love to hear, um, like I said, it's something my husband and I got introduced to. And it just, for me, you know, there's different parts and I've always described, that's how I've described myself a lot. You know, I've got this part over here that wants this and this part that does this. So what I felt like when he started telling me about it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm smarter than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, the the word part just really allows us to neutralize Mm -hmm. because we take everything as personal as possible. Right. So what this is really about is like, just what it says, internal family systems. So we have an internal family with all of these parts of us that integrate to help us, you know, be supported in the world. However, and this came out of um, Dick Schwartz working with bulimic clients. So Mm. it sort of came out of, he was being taught by his clients how to do this. Because it's a very intuitive process. So that's what I love about it too, is that no session is the same. So the big part of it is that we are guided by the self, self energy with the capital S and however you want to define that the divine within the universal consciousness, the Christ consciousness, however, Holy spirit, whatever you would like to define it. But we have this internal innate goodness that we are born with from that. It would be great if that's how we always operated in the world, but because Mm. we get wounded as we go through our growing up, our development process, parts of us get split off. Mm -hmm. So tender parts are called like the exiles. And those are the parts of us, for example, like shame, unworthiness, guilt, fear, self-doubt, you know, those all come into like that umbrella of exiles. And then we have a layer of protectors, which are the managers, the firefighters, right? And um, they can be any type of behavior. So um, a protector, like I'll, I can use one, Like this was so providential. So I have an internal family systems practice partner that we meet every week and we practice with each other. So sometimes I'm the client and she's the um, practitioner and vice versa. So yesterday I was the client 
because I was activated. Um, and I like to use that word activated rather than triggered by a, mm-hmm. a conversation that I had um, with my partner over the, <clears throat> over the weekend. And um, what I recognized was what came out of that was, oh, I have this two or three-year-old protective part that was feeling way overwhelmed that I was not, um, I, I was very confused. I didn't have clarity. Like, so my personal situation right now is that I'm living in Chincoteague, Virginia temporarily. I have a gap in my rental cause I'm not going to be there during the summer and then I'll return in the fall, um, and early winter, like from September through November, December. So there's a lot of parts that are activating about, I don't have a plan. I don't have a plan. I don't have a plan. Right. And wanting that part, a part of me that wants to control a part of me that feels overwhelmed, a part of me that doesn't trust. Right. So all these different parts had to be worked with in a way that then I felt integrated. I mean, I was so overwhelmed yesterday. Mm. I didn't get a lot of stuff done, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And after that session and, and being able to shine the light and let this part speak as to what it needed, like it needed to be held in my lap. It needed to be um, seen so that then that part doesn't have to quote unquote drive the bus so that I'm not acting from this scared, frightened, fearful three or four year old who barely knew how to, um, to, to express myself, like didn't know how to express myself, just was very scared. And, um, and now I'm back in the saddle, you know, the next day, like even last night, you know, I was, it was like, Oh, and then I was reminded also, um, a very important practice to me is gratitude, mm-hmm. but to be grateful for that, un- the uncertainty that I have right now, because then I can open to the miracles that are waiting for me. Right. Mm-hmm. If I am so tight and so planned, God, at least that's what I believe, then doesn't have the canvas to paint in my life, right? Like I'm so controlled. So like a firefighter part would be my addiction, some Mm -hmm. kind of addiction. And addiction doesn't have to be, by the way, I just also want to clarify around trauma. Like it does not have to be the type of trauma I have. I have clients who had great childhoods. But because of the attachment, right, the safe attachment versus the anxious attachment versus whatever other, Mm -hmm. you know, versus the avoidant attachment, like we tend to get into conflict with each other. Yep. So anyway, I just wanted to say that about trauma, that it doesn't need to be this big, overarching, debilitating. I have clients that had really good childhoods just didn't have the secure attachment. 90% of the population doesn't have it. Um, And IFS can really help with your attachment style and -hmm. becoming more secure in yourself. So then you can respond in a way that you actually can sit across from your partner and say, 
So this is the story I'm telling myself. Instead of acting from that part, Mm -hmm. that's four years old and scared. Thank you, Corrine, for mentioning that about trauma. Can you give like a definition of trauma? Sure. So trauma oftentimes, so it doesn't have to be, I think we have this like uh, fallacy that trauma has to be like the big T, you know, it has to be like a major car accident or something major from your childhood or, or, you know, um, disease like cancer, um, an illness, but really trauma is just when your nervous system is unable to handle whatever outside stimulus occurred. So for, you'll see this in the wild, right? That the animal will be under attack. Maybe it'll get away and then it shakes it off. So it would be very helpful. There is actually um, a modality that I'm trained in called trauma releasing exercises that helps people release the trauma in their body. Animals do it all the time in the wild. That's why they don't, um, you know, wipe out, so to speak, but we're not able, we keep it internal. So that's really, and there are three different kinds of trauma. There is the acute trauma, like the instant, tra- you know, something happened like a car accident. Then there's chronic trauma that happens, um, you know, repeatedly <clears throat> or a few times. Um, then there's complex trauma, which is different, um, different instances over a longer period of time. So, yeah. And I think that's important for people to kind of, here to know that there's, there's not, you know, um, one of my past guests talks about the, the, um, pain Olympics, you know, that, that Mm -hmm. we're not competing for the worst story. And so I think doing the work of healing and cause I find myself doing this as I'm working through my headaches, you know, and there's times where I, because I have, um, experienced some really hard things, I've walked through some hard things with people Sometimes at times though, working on my headaches, I almost feel like I start to judge myself, which that's something I'm working on. Um, This feels so little, you know, and I just think that that's one of those judgments we have to get out of the way because it's how our nervous system reacts. And as you said, there's so many different kinds. So, so I, I love this. So this actually segues lovely into internal family systems because the judgment So we can easily say the part of me that judges myself or others, you know, there's a part of me that judges. And usually what will happen is that a client can pull up an instance of how do you say like stress or Mm -hmm. whatever's happening. Right. So for example, um, if someone is going through um, a retirement at work, right, by their choice, but things aren't going the, well the way they might have thought during their exit, I'll have a conversation. I'll have a conversation with the client. What it, what needs your most attention right now? Like going internally, what most needs your attention? And so there could be a couple of different parts. There could be a judgment part that feels like they need to be treated differently. There could be um, a part that I've put in so much time and energy into this organization 
and I'm being treated unfairly, you know, so then checking in and noticing what has the most juice around it right then. And so let's go with the, then we'll take it from there and say, let's get this part that is being, that this is unfair. This is just unfair. So the part that feels that they're being treated unfairly. So then going into the body somatically, noticing what sensations are you noticing in the body right now? It could be a tight chest. It could be butterflies in the stomach. It could be weights in the shoulder. It could be anything like um, sweaty palms, whatever they name it. So you name it. And then from there asking the, the client, so <clears throat> can you picture this part? And that's where things sort of get creative. It can be a color, it can be a shape, it can be whatever. For me, my parts often usually show up as minions or like those little M&Ms with like sticks. Oh, and sure. I mean, you know, it can yeah. be anything. There's no, yeah. that's the wonderful world of that. So then you're able to, so then guiding the client and asking, what are you noticing? It's just honestly like, what are you noticing? Then yeah. they'll respond, whatever they're noticing. And then how are you feeling towards this part is really important that it's called like the, the six or the eight C I think the eight C's um, to make sure that the client is feeling compassionate or curious or creative. Like there's some kind of softness, mm -hmm. if not like you, what might come up is like, I'm angry towards it or I'm, I hate it. Well, that's another part that gets in the way. So can you ask the angry part to step back? Can you ask the part that hates it to step back so we can get to know this part a little bit more? So you're just trying to have a conversation and to get into connection with this part. And then oftentimes saying, okay, what was the first, do you get a sense of how old this part is when they first came mm -hmm. onto the scene? And it might be as a teenager, it might be a oh, middle school, it might be elementary school, you know, fourth mm -hmm. or fifth grade, it might be two or three, it might be mm -hmm. pre-verbal, right? But just getting a sense of how old it is. And then from there, asking it, what is its job? What's its purpose for showing up? So like a, the part that um, might feel like it's not fair wants this person just to be recognized for all the goodness, mm -hmm. right? Just wants to be. So oftentimes the part that's protecting is wants the higher good. It's, it blows my mind. Like wants, like the purpose of the protection actually wants the same thing that yourself, the S wants for your being. Yeah. It's wild how that but they happens. go about it in different ways. And, they, and, and it just yeah. goes about it in a different, in a different way. And then from there asking the part, what is it needing? Or, or maybe even what is it afraid would happen if it didn't do its job? Mm -hmm. So like it might be afraid that this person would fail, mm -hmm. that this person would get hurt. You know, and is there another job that this part would like to do instead? Like, is this part feeling tired? Is this part, you know, how is this part? And, and it's just, it, it really sort of guides, I'm giving like a, a very, you know, annotated version and um, trying to explain, but, and then yeah. what happens is that it settles down, right? That it's not 
driving the bus. And so that more of the self, the big S can direct it and direct your being in the world so that you can be more compassionate with your partner or your boss or your child. Well, you know, it's funny because I was, I had two different thoughts in my head. And so to kind of help frame this for people too, is I think with the movie inside out, you know, that was so good for kids to see, but also adult to see when you talk about driving the bus, you know, just that movie, I feel like simplifies it of just, you know, how that can work. And of course this IFS is the, you know, adult version. I feel like, you know, it's of course not the same thing, but it is I actually think, the same thing. Oh, I mean, like, we, oh, in, a way, okay. in a way it is, it's the easiest way to explain it. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. Sam. Yeah. Well, the other example I was going to give, and um, uh, I don't know who re- listening will remember this, but the show Herman's head, I remember watching that back in the day, an old show, but it was the, you know, guy, I, I don't even remember because I probably was too young. I shouldn't have been watching it. I'm sure. But you know, this guy, there was all these people living in his head, you know, and it would go from his outside world to then you would see the part, like the living room or whatever, these people all lived in his head. And I mean, maybe I watched a lot of dirty dancing, pretty woman, favorite movies when I was way too young. Um, but also her, apparently I watched some random shows that maybe that helped me understand these different parts. And um, so anyway, but I, I bring up this random example though, because there's this part of me that is um, like, this sounds because of, I'm comparing it to this eighties, you know, sitcom, mm-hmm. like this is kooky, you know, this is woo woo. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we've got now 40 years later or whatever, Inside Out, which I was about to say 20 years, but it is not 2000 anymore. It is 2022. Um, but now we have Inside Out and it's like, no, wait, this really does make sense. There really is. So would you say to, to kind of simplify IFS, mm-hmm. is it a way to, I think the right word is personify just our being and to kind of look at it as, you know, whether it's people or like you said, for everyone, it's different shapes or um, characters mm-hmm. or something like that. But mm-hmm. is it a way to just kind of help make sense of the way our parts are in us? It's a way to, for integration. Okay. So, and it's really a way for me, for me personally, this is the way mm-hmm. is, is like a highway of compassion, right? Mm. Dick Schwartz wrote a book, very important book, No Bad Parts. Mm. So that every part has a role. Like, we don't want to look at the shame. We don't want to look at the guilt. We don't want to look at the anger. We don't want to look at um, the fear. We don't want to look at the self-doubt, right? But if we can say, wow, let me get curious about this. What's going on with self-doubt? What are you trying to protect? What's your job? Like, why are you here? What are you needing? Like, you know, the, the other, the, a complementary practice is called rain, the rain meditation Mm. practice, you know, recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. To me, they're very complimentary. You know, you're recognizing what's going on. You allow it to be there. You're giving permission for whatever's going on to be there. You investigate it. You ask it questions. What are you needing? And then the end is the nurturance, right? So, Oftentimes, I mean, IFS is is different. I don't want to confuse people, 
but I'm saying they're complementary practices. IFS mm-hmm. is a much deeper practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, and, and anyone listening, I want to be really serious about this, mm-hmm. that please make sure that you're using a practitioner that has been trained by the IFS Institute, yes. because there are so many copycats out there right now, and it is not to be played with because this is people's mental health, mental yeah. well-being, um, and just be thorough in, in, you know, in your, if you decide to investigate this as your own practice, please make sure that you're um, doing due diligence with the practitioner that you are working with. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Cause yeah. exactly. It's, um, it's serious work. And I, you said it with integration, you know, it's taking all these parts you talked about driving the bus. It's such a good visual, you know, of, of um, who's in control. And it's funny how it's like, you know, when we try to repress stuff, we think, you know, we think it's like, oh, we're just going to set that over here. We're just going to tuck that over here. We think we're taking it out of the driver's seat, but it's going to find another way to, to drive. It's going to find another way. And, um, and I love what you said too, about there's no bad parts and, 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 and seeing it because, all these different sides of us. And especially I was thinking about your story kind of, you know, as we wrap up coming full mm-hmm. circle, you know, you talked about the rage and it would be easy for you to just say, I'm, I'm a rageful person. So I need to just do some meditation, some deep breathing, and I'm just going to become this calm person. But the rage was that part of you that was feeling I'm, you know, you know, your story, violated, better than me. Violated, you know, right. yeah. And so you could try to just put the bandaid on it, as you said, you know, but that wound needed some air, you know, it needed to heal. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, I mean, that's why for me and and Jeremy and I, you know, we've talked so much about it. It's just given us language to say, oh, this, this is the part, you know, this part wanted was fighting for this, you know, or this part was wanting to, to be seen and heard. So, right. So I think like, if there's one simple practice you can take with yourself is, to start using the word part, Mm. you know, there's a part of me that's feeling lonely. There's a part of me that's feeling tired and just asking like, Oh, what am I needing right now? What is this part of me needing? Let me see if I can check in. I'm doing a really a bridge. That's, you know, not a, but it's just, it really goes to like the power of the pause because what this is like, this is another thing. And I think I said this in a prior conversation with you, Sam, is like, yeah. if it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm. So when we That's are good. noticing that something is not in balance with what happened, you know, like your reaction is like a little bit intense. Um, there usually is a story behind that. There's usually like, okay, where can I make the U-turn? we're always looking to the other person. Like if they would just change, if they would just, and I'm telling you, I used to be one of those people like, you know, and I can sometimes still, you know, trip up like that. And then, whoa, whoa, no, no. What's going on here? What needs to be healed in me? And if we can look at it that way, oh, what needs to be healed in me? So good. Well, I, as you said, we just scratched the surface of this, but I, I truly thank you. Thank you for sharing so much of your story. Um, I I say often that not everyone's meant to share, you know, their story publicly, but for those that can, I'm extremely grateful because I do think it's, it's hearing, you know, kind of that, 
next level deeper some of the the stuff that is you know feels unspeakable and that when it is mm. speakable it makes such a difference so i truly thank you for sharing your story and help and helping us kind of um get more language around all of this and of mm-hmm. course um sharing you know your expertise with ifs and so if people are curious to learn more of course about you working with you and um you know whether it's ifs or other other ways you work with people, how can they get in touch with you? They can go to my website, coreencapola.com and um, set up a discovery call with me. 20, 30 minutes of your time. Um, you'll get at least one practice that you can implement immediately to help you. Because um, all I want to do is really reach as many people as possible. I'm on a mission to help over 1 million families by 2026. Um, It's a high order, but I also say that if you heal one person, you're healing, you know, seven generations in front and seven generations in back. And then all the people around you, because the healthier you get, the healthier the family gets, the healthier the work system or work environment, like everybody, one person changes, everybody changes. So, and I'm also doing um, a workshop for Sage Sisters on April 19th that is more in depth around internal family systems and authentic relationships. So you can join me there. Yes. And I look forward to talking about more of this stuff and sharing you, of course, with the fleshing out audience as a valuable, insightful partner. And I'm just grateful for your expertise and sharing. And so I definitely recommend checking her out and learning more. Thank you, Samantha. I appreciate the love. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, where we explore growth and healing through vulnerable conversation. Our hope is that you feel seen and find tools for growing resiliency and tackling your own growth and healing. Be sure to subscribe and check out the VIPs and other resources at samanthaspittle.com. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.